I just want everyone to have a practice. And I don't know how people are living their damn life without ever checking in. Why, hello there. And welcome back to Dharma Talk, episode number 13. This week's guest, I'm sure, is very familiar to a lot of you listeners out there. One, because I've mentioned him several times on the show. And two, because since I launched the podcast, he's probably the number one most requested guest I've had. He's one of my best friends and my teaching mentor, Jared McCann. Now, even if you know Jared very well, like I do, this interview may still surprise you in lots of fun and interesting ways. A lot of new information came out. Jared really shared some cool stories about his background He told me the words his guru, his grandmother, Honey, spoke to him to pull him out of an existential crisis when he first got uh, settled in New York as a musician. He told me about how he's been practicing meditation for long before he's been practicing yoga asana and how asana actually complicated his meditation practice, but also how asana can prepare all of us for the challenges of life and death. We talk about wrestling with the difficult decision whether to wake the sleeping or be patient and allow people to have their own process. And finally, we talk about Jared's decision to open a yoga studio. After all those years teaching and building a student base, even though he believed it was a poor business decision at the time. So I know you're going to love this interview. Just stick around. We'll jump right in after these announcements. Yogis, I've got a whole lineup of special events coming your way this summer that I'm excited to share with you, and I'm going to rattle them off in order of most serious to most lighthearted and fun. Okay, first of all, I'm assisting Jared McCann in his 300-hour quote-unquote advanced teacher training at Lighthouse Yoga School in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, this July. Now, it's advanced in the sense that we will be working on sequences that include advanced asanas, but really the more advanced part about it is the intensity of the spiritual practice or sadhana. Every single day is going to start with seated meditation in a group, and you'll take away a practice that you can carry forward for the rest of your life. Uh, I did this training myself last year, and this year I'm helping out with it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Next, if you're not really interested in becoming a yoga teacher, you can still do the teacher training, but we also have another option for you, which is a 30-hour intensive over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, This one is four days of intense practice with posture clinics, um, yoga philosophy training, and lots of meditation as well. This is a great option if you don't want to make the time or financial investment of a teacher training, but you really want to deepen your practice. And then the last thing I want to share with you is also in July, in between the two modules of the teacher training, I'm going to be in Chicago for the We Are Yoga Vacation. It's taking place at 105F, Chicago's original hot yoga studio. But they're going to be yoga classes of all different styles, different teachers teaching all the different classes. And we're going to take excursions too, so it'll be fun. We've got Pitchfork Music Festival going on, Chicago Cubs games, if that appeals to you. So here's the deal. I've got a special 10% discount for you, my Dharma Talk listeners, my followers, for any or all of these three events. You can apply that 10% to your tuition for teacher training or the immersion or a four-day pass at 105F for the Chicago vacation. So to get that discount code and register for the events, head on over to henrywins.com slash events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community. Welcome back to another episode. And today I've got uh, an extra special guest, my friend and 
teacher mentor, Jared McCann. Jared is an international yoga teacher, two-time national, and 2013 world asana champion. He's studied yoga extensively with Dharma Mitra, Anna Forrest, Mary Jarvis, and has decades of practice in Ashtanga, Bikram, Dharma, Forrest, Iyengar, yoga, you name it, combining all disciplines together in his signature vinyasa series. Jared is the founder of Lighthouse Yoga School in Brooklyn, New York, and he leads teacher trainings year-round. You can find him teaching classes at home and across the globe. Jared, thanks so much for coming on the show. How's it going? Oh, hey, Henry, and hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, that makes me feel good, your introduction. <laughs> I feel like, oh, my God, maybe I am doing something after all with my life. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to hear your bio told from a third-person perspective with you on the line, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I couldn't schedule this interview because when I – you know, clicked the link and it went to, I had to fill in the bio. I was like, what am I going to say? But apparently you got the bio filled in yeah. quite nicely without me. Your your partner in crime, Tony, helped out with that. It's good to have someone helping you on the business side, I'm sure. For sure. Couldn't do it alone. I don't know how people do it alone, but I can't. Yeah. Okay, Jared, I always start all of these interviews the exact same way. So I'm going to give you the, the opening question. What okay. Does, what does the word dharma mean to you and what is your dharma as you understand it today? Oh, that's such a loaded question. Um, you know, dharma as I understand it means the way and for me that just makes me think about my path and my purpose uh with my life, with my time here. How are you going to use your time? And um for me, you know, I've been so interested in um, spirituality and uh, and yoga and, and meditation and anything esoteric, really, since I was a little kid. And, you know, I always joke, um, but also say seriously, my first guru was my grandmother, Honey. And when I was... 11. I was probably 11 or 12 years old, and Honey took me to Missoula, Montana, because she thought that there was an energy vortex there. And I went on this meditation retreat with Honey for five days with these weird people in, Medu in Missoula, Montana, and we did all these crazy meditations and went to different places and dimensions, and, you know, it was very uh, wild and kind of exciting. Um, but that was really my first introduction to uh, meditation and also just an alternative lifestyle. I mean, these people that my grandmother were hanging out with were really off the grid. You know, they didn't have um, jobs like my parents did. And they were just living a, a completely different sort of life, which I thought was so cool and fascinating and rebellious of them. And so... Right away, I was really hooked on, uh, you know, you name it, crystals and, and meditating and uh, tarot cards and angel cards. And um, I was really into um, the spiritual perspective of life. And um, How old were so you I at think, this point? I mean, I was probably 12. You know, okay. I can even remember being like eight or nine years old and I would buy crystals. I would save my money to buy stones instead of uh, board games or, or bicycles or whatever. I was buying crystals <laughs> as a child. Um, so I think my my life, even from the beginning, was always sort of shaded that way um, to kind of live outside the normal perspective and, the nor um, and I guess the uh, traditional way that people were living and that people do things. And, um, and then, you know, when I, uh, I had kind of a, a difficult childhood, I had an abusive mother. Sorry, mom. Oh, my God. I hope my mom doesn't hear me say she was abusive <laughs> because I really love my mom and she's, she's been a great mom in many ways, but she was also, um, she was going through a hard time. Um, she was in a, a rough marriage, and I think she took a lot of her uh, frustration out on me. And um, 
So I, I went through, you know, a really dark time from probably 18 to I'd say 23 or 24 years old. And I, I did a lot of drugs and, and I partied all the time. And I thought, um, what's the point of existence? What are we doing here? I'm going to die and all the stars will turn into black holes and then all the black holes will gobble up all the other black holes. And then finally, the last two black holes will eat each other and there will be nothing left. So what is the point? And um, when I was, you know, I was probably 23 and I'd just been hanging with the wrong crowd and going out all night doing all sorts of, I mean, every drug in the book, you, you name it, and I did it. Um, I called Honey one morning and I said, Honey, what is real i said what i said what what's the point of doing anything here if everything's going to be destroyed everything's so temporary and she said to me she said there's one thing that is true and she said and that's god is and um you know i mean it seems so trite when you retell these stories later on because well that's nice god is what you know what is that mean what's that going to do for you but for some reason hearing those words from her um at that age uh just turned my whole life around and i i stopped um hanging out with the wrong people well i guess i'm still hanging out with the wrong people but <laughs> maybe i just have different wrong people to, <laughs> to hang out with <laughs> now um and and i got into yoga you know it was actually right after i had that conversation with my grandmother honey that i went to bikram yoga there's a bikram yoga studio across the street from me and i went in there and i did my first bikram class and i loved it and i also knew it you know i even in that first bikram class i thought to myself i know this i've or i've done this before and um so i you know i believe in some past life i was uh, a yogi and i also just you know, wonder where all my natural physical abilities came from. People always think I was a dancer or some sort of athlete, but I was, you know, I was a classical pianist growing up. I didn't play any sports. I didn't do any sort of exercise. I just sat at the piano for five hours a day and played uh, like an autistic person mm -hmm. uh, all day long. Sorry, is that not PC to say? You can say whatever you like on this show. We've got the explicit <laughs> okay. rating. You got carte blanche. Oh, good. It's explicit. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to need today, some explicity. Um, so it, anyway, sorry, back back to my dharma. You know, I got into yoga, and um, I was still trying to do music in New York, but the yoga just, I don't know, people kept asking me to teach, and people paid me money to teach yoga, and uh, I never made any money doing music. I mean, I'd make a little money doing shows, but the recording process, uh, you know, hiring, like, I had to hire an engineer to, you know, record everything and put the tracks down. That was so expensive that and I was living in New York City, I had to pay the rent. So I just kept teaching yoga more and more. And um, so, you know, I don't know, Henry, we're probably taking a, a strong detour here, but back to what my, what my dharma is, um, it's like the older I get, the more I just have no idea. And yes, to help and yes, to work and to serve and to teach. You know, I think I've always been um, that person in my family that whenever anyone had a problem in my family, they would always talk to me about it or, or, or tell me about it. And, and not that I'm great at solving problems, but um, I think I just have kind of an emotionally calming quality to me that uh, that puts people at ease. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think whether it's, you know, teaching yoga or, um, or writing music or, or playing music, I think, you know, I think that for some reason that is a big part of my dharma to uh calm people to soothe people to um be sort of an emotional balancer 
yeah. um, for for many people, and and in that people can find clarity. You know, I'm not necessarily the one to give all the answers because um, I'm not old and wise like that. Um, but I do s- bring some sort of emotional balance, which calms people and then helps them, I think, figure out their their situation. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I um, I think there's something really insightful in there around the idea of your dharma not necessarily being a career path or a, a role that you assume. I think there's something unique that everyone brings. Otherwise, there would just be one yoga teacher, one auto mechanic, one librarian. You know, exactly. Everybody brings something different, and it has a lot to do with the perspective you bring to whatever it is you choose to put your energy toward. And You, know, you have a certain quality, and it, maybe it traces back to that you know perspective of approaching everything the the alternative way from the time with your grandmother Mm-hmm. yeah i i guess more than uh, a specific action or a specific job i mean obviously my dharma right now is teaching yoga because i've been doing that for got 13 years or so whether now you, whether you're willing to admit it or not right whether I'm, yeah i know as i reluctantly say oh my god i've been teaching yoga for 13 years um, but yes, I think my dharma is is somehow to bring that um, I don't know emotional balance into people's life, and I think I'm an envelope pusher. You know, I definitely um, am kind of pushing the boundaries of what um, yeah. people think is um, I don't know acceptable or how it's supposed to be. I think there's just something in me that is like a, a bad Devin, get out of here. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, There's something in me that is rebellious and just like a naughty, naughty kid. And if I can find anything that anyone um, kind of reacts to or responds to, I just can't help but kind of push those buttons to clear that um, or, or to, I don't know, I guess, expose that, that pattern in people. I mean, my teacher, Mary Jarvis, used to always say, don't wake the sleeping, just let them sleep. But, um, I just, I'm trying, I'm trying to let everyone sleep, but it's just really hard for me to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the listeners here who have never met you before, even if they've just seen your yoga practice, I think that's very clear that you do. You do push the boundaries. So that's a, a very natural um, segue to my next question, which is what does your personal yoga practice look like these days? And how would you say that your yoga practice has supported you on your path? Oh, my God. You know, I'm so grateful for my yoga practice. Um, you know, I did the ayahuasca last year with um, the ayahuasca i did that ayahuasca you know i was so against ayahuasca i was like telling him don't you do that ayahuasca don't do the the magic mushrooms and ayahuasca and whatever but then you know Teresa, i'm sure Teresa's gonna listen to this she's like i can't believe you told them i made you do ayahuasca but <laughs> Teresa was like you know before Teresa's getting married she's like let's do an ayahuasca ceremony together and i agreed because it was her and it was just me and her but the whole time in that damn ayahuasca ceremony I just kept thinking, thank God that I have a practice and that something in me, you know, I mean, that truly is a miracle that something in me has made my little ass do yoga every damn day for a long period of time. I've had a, I've had a meditation practice, you know, since I was in my teens, really, um, well, that's so, an interesting point right there, actually. Did you start meditating before you picked up an asana practice and started yes, calling yes. it yoga? Oh, yeah, I was meditating way before I did yoga. So for me, it's interesting. I, I did meditation first. You know, I learned to meditate as a, as a tween, not even a teen, a tween. I was, was 12 years old when I went to that first meditation retreat with Honey. Mm-hmm. And then every time, you know, I would always spend summers with Honey. I would go visit Honey for winters, and we'd always do meditations and and do cool stuff like that. And then I would do them on my own. And so when I came to yoga, yoga was just a chance for me to meditate in a different bodily position. But I never approached yoga from a physical perspective. It was always like, can I stay focused and do my meditation while this crazy yoga class goes on? 
you know, I, I never cared about being able to do the poses or, or, or being good at yoga. It was just uh, a different meditation challenge for me. And my meditations got better when I was doing the asana practice, uh, you know, on, on a daily basis. I was able to really ground my energy and my physical body in a way that before, you know, I think one of the big differences that's changed in my meditation practice is before I would go to all these crazy places and go to different dimensions. And now my whole practice is just being with my body and my breath and in this physical reality. And but, do you prefer that? Um, it, oh, no, no, no. I want to I want to <laughs> go to the rainbow dimension, baby. You know, that's that's my home. That's where I belong. But um, that's not where I am right now. And as much as that, you know, is annoying and painful and sort of depressing um, is just it is what it is. And yeah. and I'm just really working to be here full time, 24 seven and and do this life that I'm in right now here on earth. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that, that's been the main difference with my meditation practice. It's something that yoga really helped to bring in because yoga is such a physical practice that you really energetically connect to, you know, your fingernails and your, uh, your taint and your uh, right inner heel bone and, and all these little places that are in your physical body that are tied to so many different dramas and traumas and emotional holding patterns in there. So you can really clear everything through the physical practice combined with a meditation practice. But, um, you know, back to my personal practice, you know, I started with the Bikram yoga because I lived right across from a Bikram studio. This is in 2003, 2003, what today's 2018, I think it was 2004 that I started practicing. And, um, and at the time I was doing Course in Miracles. Course in Miracles is a book that I like very much you, you, that has, you know, a daily meditation practice. And, um, and I did Course in Miracles workbook probably eight years in a row. I just did it back to back to back to back. And I practiced Hatha yoga every day. And now I have to say, you know, I don't do as much asana anymore. I mean, it's, it's been a slow <laughs> decline lately, but I, you know, for me, it's whether I practice asana or not in a day, I don't care anymore. But what I do have to do, I need to do my TM meditation. You know, I love that transcendental meditation with the Bija mantra, or even just sit still for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night whether there's the bija mantra or not. I just need that time to be still. And then, um, you know, I do Gayatri mantra every day. I do the Mahamritun Jaya mantra every day. And I do alternate nostril breathing every day. And that's really my practice now. I need like an hour in the morning and I need maybe an hour and a half in the morning and like 20 minutes at night to do all that stuff. Cool, um, yeah. But yeah, so, that's that's what's important to me and what's necessary. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's very interesting to hear that coming from someone. And of course, you know, we've had these conversations before because we're friends. But for the listeners, this mm -hmm. is probably interesting to hear that someone who has such a impressive, spectacular asana practice, like that is not the core of it for you. No, 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 no. I mean, I think... Um, it's fun. You know, I love the asana practice. It's really fun and it's, it's exciting and it's, it's a cool challenge, you know, of, uh, for me, every pose is like, how the hell am I going to make my body do that shape, uh, without getting hurt? You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. just, I'll, I got a prefix without getting hurt. I usually don't think that U usually to, to be honest with you, the thought is just how am I going to get my body to do that shape? You know, I don't even really care if I get hurt because I feel like, uh, everything heals. Oh, that's terrible to say, but I don't, I'm just not, I'm not so concerned with my physical body. You know, I think a lot of people have that body thing like, Oh, my body and my back. And I felt something in my butt and my hips and my whatever. And, and I'm just kind of like, I'm just letting my body do its thing. You know, as long as I have a good meditation practice, 
I understand that when you're practicing asana, there's going to be deep, different aches and pains that are moving through and uh, coming in and leaving. And, you know, your body's just always changing. No, your body is just always dying is what yeah. the hell that thing is doing. It's just 24-7, 365. That thing just loves to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's just about stabilizing my consciousness and all these strange body positions, you know, like, can I do a scorpion? And, you know, I always, I mean, I, I see you every day in class, so you, you hear me say all this all the time, but it's like, can you do a scorpion and be there for it and be relaxed and not be making a funny face and breathing normally and be able to have a conversation with your neighbor in your scorpion and really know where your uh, spirit is in space in a scorpion. And and for me, every asana, every posture is just a chance to practice that. Like, you know, can you do a standing bow and know where everything is and be centered and be cool and breathe? And I think it's really powerful to um, hold your consciousness in different positions so that you can... Um, stay centered no matter what happens, you know, and I think for most of us, the big test is death, right? I mean, at our age, you don't think about it. You're like, oh, I'm 38 or whatever I am. You know, you feel like you're never going to die, but you are. And I think that is a really pivotal moment of, um, can you keep it together while you're dying and, um, be there for it? Not not lose consciousness for death or anything that happens mm-hmm. in your life during during the course of your life. Yeah. So. Uh, well, you touched on this yeah. a little bit already, but maybe we can talk about it a little bit more explicitly. What was the pivotal moment for you where you realized that you needed to be a teacher? And I know that you know, it was a there was some reluctance there. You resisted it because we've you know had this conversation as well, but. What oh was it God. that really pushed you over the edge and accepted, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I mean, I still haven't accepted it, Henry. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, twitching and fighting and I'm moving to uh, wherever the hell I'm moving this week. Um, you know, because part of it is I'm like, I'm just some retarded dum-dum. I have no business telling anybody <laughs> what to do about anything you know like that's so rude don't 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 tell me nothing that's what i always say don't tell me nothing and um and and yet here i am telling everybody everything i don't know henry maybe i'm just really bossy or something um but you know, no, here, here, here's why I'm a teacher is because for some motherfucking reason, I actually give a fuck about everybody. I don't know why I'm really trying not to, but I do. I just feel people's pain and it hurts me and I want to uh, fix it or help or or offer some way for people to heal who who need that um and you know i think i'm extremely uh empathic and and empathetic and and all those things so you know you're just it's like you're living your life and people just run in front of your path (laughs) they so, so they just run in front of your damn dharma and then you just have to help yeah, You know, there's just something in your heart that goes like, oh, my God, don't they see if they just did that, that, that. And, you know, I think the other thing and, and my big message, the thing I want for all you guys, Henry, I just want you guys to have a fucking practice where you're just sitting for 20 minutes. I don't care if you do a mantra. I don't care if you do a yoga pose. I don't care if you do nothing, do breathing, do your Wim Hof, whatever. I just want everyone to have some sort of meditation practice where they can sit down and, and center and connect to themselves and also to God, that thing that is ourselves and is beyond ourselves. And I mean, I'm not even going to open what that can of worms is, (laughs) but, 
but but I realized and, and and honestly I realized this pretty recently. You know, this this thing where I've been given everyone sadhana practice lately, you know, all you guys have your sadhana practice and I make everyone do their TM and I give you guys mantras and I you know, make everyone do the pranayamas. I just want everyone to have a practice. And I don't know how people are living their damn life without ever checking in. You know what I mean? Most people are, they're going to work, they're they're working their kids, they're doing this, they're doing that. And they're just accumulating all this um, stress and insanity and never taking the time to really uh, process that or check in with their spirit, check in with their soul and say, hey, how am I doing in this bigger picture of my spirit's journey, even though here I am as Jared McCann on planet Earth, what's my What's my soul want and up to and what's it doing here and what does it need? And and so, you know, well, for me, as, that's as draining, such, yeah. as, as, as draining as that perpetual emotion is, I really think that has a lot to do with the fear of, of slowing down and taking a look at what's going on because, yes, it's uh, exhausting to keep yes. just chug, 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 but... You don't, if you haven't ever looked at what you actually think about everything is happening, maybe mm-hmm. that, that thought alone is, is keeping you going. Like, do I really want Absolutely know? right. Do I, yeah, do I really? <laughs> I know I'm on a bad trajectory, but am I really going to turn it all around? Yeah. Because that's going to be a lot of work. And yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Probably a lot of people don't want to look, but I just... You know, my work is just, I guess, to encourage everybody to look. It's that. And trust me. Pushing the limit. Pushing the limit. And I don't want to look either. You know, I mean, I'm the biggest, like, just don't tell me, don't, don't look, let's just keep it rolling and, you know, ride it till the wheels fall off or whatever the expression is. But, oh, yeah. I, ouch, you got to look. Yeah. Okay, you really so got to look. Let's, let's do another, um, another story here i'd like okay. to hear about it i hear about a time that you and your empathic tendencies created sort of a rift for you or caused you to hit a wall what happened there like what problem did that create or what struggle did that create and then what did you do to get through it oh my god when my empathic tendencies you mean like when i'm trying to communicate with someone and they're not ready to hear it yet yeah. Right. That's what you're saying. Well, I wasn't going to lead it in that direction, but if that's how you interpret it, yeah, let's hear that. Oh, well, I mean, Henry, I can't be like naming names no, don't on name the names. damn podcast. Well, you already okay, called out okay. Teresa and your mom, but we'll keep going. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> then let me just keep going with those names. Um, I, I, I mean, there's, I, you know, I, I can do this with, without naming names i I mean i think that's what we're all here for is just to be little um reflections and reminders for each other of uh what we need to i don't know be aware of or 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 things that we're not seeing within ourselves you know it's so much easier for someone else to see you than it is for you to see yourself and uh and and I don't think I'm any more special than the next person in, in that regard. But um, I think the thing is, is that you don't always need to say it. You know, if I'm – and sometimes you do. I, I, and, and I don't know exactly when to say when is the thing to say and when is the thing to just keep it to yourself. But um, – I mean, you know, you know, like for you, I'm yelling at you in every class because you know what, you know, you're working on or what I'm working on with you in class and ain't no big deal. Um, but then there's other things that I feel like I need to say to people that I can't yet. And I just have to stuff that information and hold on tight to it and, uh, and wait for that person to come to the realization of it. I mean, there's, you know, there's things that I'm, uh, okay, I can't, I'm not going to name any names for this one, but, you know, there, there's 
things that I'm waiting on for quite a handful of people, actually. And, um, and it's kind of like they know it and I know it and we all know it, but no one's ready to talk about it uh-huh. or say it in words yet. But I think as long as somebody knows it, then it's just a matter of time before, uh, you know, that person realizes that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's really ugh, it's the worst thing in the world to have patience. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you want to talk about pain. I'll tell you about pain is patience is very painful. Um, Well, it's it's like you said, uh, you, I think it was Mary who told you, you can't wake this, the sleeping people. You gotta, you gotta let them go through their process and you can be a part of the process for sure, but you have to be intelligent about it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, um, you just have to really keep that high mindset and let everyone go through their process. You know, it's the same thing with learning uh, a yoga pose. Everyone's struggling and, and breathing heavy and pushing too hard and um, trying to get that leg behind the head or, or whatever it is. And as a teacher, you know, you, you can't even say don't do that. I mean, you can, but most of the time they're not even going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And um, you just got to let people go through their process. And that's hard. That's hard yeah. to do that. And sometimes I think, like, is this my fucked up karma where I have to, like, do this and save everyone? Or, like, is this just the way dharma works and that's all our function here and and then i think also it's probably just a matter of of perspective this is my perspective of seeing these people going through these certain things because it has probably to do what i'm working on i mean your students and you are always kind of i think or from my position we're all kind of working through similar um situations together right i mean there are only really so many different situations to work through in the human condition right i mean they can all boil down to the same archetypes yes yes i i think it's really just holding on to uh you know fear and frustration and uh, i mean there's so many you know emotions that that correlate to that with anger and sadness and and all those things but really just allowing all those things to process and to accept what is to just be there for exactly what is. Yeah. Jared, I'd love to hear about, you know, since we've been talking about all the, all your students and the people you get to see on a regular basis, that's a product of running and owning your own yoga studio. So I'd love to hear the story of how that came to be, especially considering, you know, the resistance and reluctance you had to stepping into that role. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I had a pretty good student base. I mean, I'm not going to say good. I'll say consistent student base even before I had my own studio. Sure. Yeah. Now, of course, having the studio, you know, I mean, because there was, I mean, it's amazing that my student base stayed together because there was, you know, years where it was like Wednesday night in Bushwick, Tuesday morning up East Side, uh, Friday afternoon, downtown Tribeca. You know, there's a, there's a, years where I was just all over the place running all around and somehow my core students would just come to every class I mean I think it's the only you know I get those people who really want to learn because my class is the only class that teaches um, more advanced asana and mantra and um, kriyas and I mean you know all the just crazy things that that I'm trying to share with everybody Um, but having uh, Lighthouse has been so wonderful because for me, that's everything. You know, I am a, uh, I mean, I'm a happy person, but I'm also just kind of like, a, like an old man, just a little like angry, alone and depressed. Um, but having Lighthouse, uh, just brings me so much joy, you know, and, and you, it's you, Henry, you know, seeing you on a daily basis and Veronica and, uh, Rebecca and, 
Will and Teresa and Tammy and uh, Xenia. I mean, you know, I could just Hendry and Aviat and Chauncey and you know, seeing all you guys, I feel like is really my blessing in this life. And it's it, you know, I don't know, seeing your faces and seeing your practices and seeing everything um, is really. Mm, my greatest joy for me that is everything that is everything and so it was really important to me to open a yoga studio where people who really did want to you know learn yoga and deepen their practice and and be consistent with the teacher could come and study with me it's not a good business decision you know i could be making four times as much money without a studio and just traveling around because it's you know lighthouse has a pretty uh, high overhead costs with the rent and all the bills and everything. Williamsburg, but Brooklyn. Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the most expensive place in the universe. Or not the universe, but the planet, probably. And, um, but, you know, that that is my life. You know, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids. And so it really is, you know, my students. It's you guys that are like my family and um and you know i also I, I don't have the closest relationship with my immediate family i mean i have my grandmother you know but she's out in colorado living her amazing 91 year old life going hiking every day and hanging out with her friends and you know i'm not that close to either of my parents i'm not that close to my siblings i love them all it's just not, I never had like a, a family unit. And I think Lighthouse has been a way for me to recreate that sort of family unit and feel um, a deep level of love and connection and, um, and cultivate relationships with uh, you amazing yoga people. So I don't even remember what the question was, but did I answer it? <laughs> <laughs> the question was, was how did you come to, you know, be at the center of this, of this yoga studio? How did it build up? But yes, you did answer it. I mean, that's really the essence of, of why it exists. It's not about the process of like, you know, where the money came from or like how you decided on the location. No, it's a, it's about what it means to you. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I also have to say, I'm so appreciative that you do hold that space because it's so powerful and I've been all over the place too. And there's really no other place on earth like that. So it's amazing. Everybody should come to lighthouse. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Henry. Yeah. That's so sweet of you. I mean, yeah, you're, you know, such an important um, person there. Um, but really, you know, I just, I need to give and receive a lot of love. And, and I also need it um, in a more personal basis. I mean, I, I think one of the greatest joys of my life is getting to know uh all the students, you know, and it's, it's just so different getting to know someone when you're practicing together. It's not like you're hanging out, having a drink, talking some bullshit, you know, it's like we're there every day to really do the damn thing. And when you're doing that, you get such a deep sense of what the core of someone's energy quality is. And yeah. I just, it, it's, it's an intimacy that, I think um, most people probably never get to experience in their in in their lives. You don't usually experience that sort of intimacy. I think even with your own family, because in the family there's such distinct um, roles that everyone's playing. You're the mommy. You're the daddy. You're the son. You're the daughter. You're the brother. You're the sister, and. Um, at lighthouse, you can—I mean, not just at lighthouse, but just in a in a satsang, in a in a—I um, mean, in a sangha or in a yoga community—you just really get a feel for who that person is without any constructs or or boundaries 
around them. And I just, um, I, I just love that. That just, it's so true. Yeah. And you, for it, me, there's and nothing better. It's unspoken. It's unspoken. You don't even need to say a word to share that experience with someone and feel their energy. I, I have to agree with you a hundred percent on that. And like you said, it's not unique to lighthouse, but I think at lighthouse because of the commitment of the students and the, the regular consistency of the group of people that's there, you know, it's just, it magnifies upon itself. It's just, it builds this momentum and you get a, a swirling energy vortex. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, my, one of my gifts is for some reason I, uh, attract the most special and amazing people, <laughs> you know, and, and that is my, uh, I don't know, good luck and, and good fortune or whatever. But, um, there's just, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a powerful community of, of people there and just some really interesting characters. And, and, you know, Henry, that is my bigger vision. And I'm really, I'm really struggling with that right now, honestly, and figuring out how to, um, manifest that or how that's going to look, how we manifest that in the world. But, you know, our, our next step is doing bigger things together. And, you know, you've been hearing me talk about this for the past six months from everyone who haunt about, well, we all need to go have the lighthouse circus in Italy and Florida and wherever we're going. But, you know, I think that is um, one of the keys to really doing some cool stuff here is getting a team of people that you really love and, and really know and really have like a deep level of trust for so that you can um, combine your superpowers and do bigger and greater and more amazing stuff than you could do uh, on your own. And, and that takes time and it's tricky figuring out how everyone fits into, well, first of all, it's like, what are you even going to do? Secondly, how's everyone going to fit in, in accomplishing that goal and that task? But you know, that, that really for me is the whole purpose of this to, um, bring a community together and really channel some Shakti, really channel some, um, some energy into this, into this world and use it for our practices. You use it for our meditation, use it to better, um, know, feel, understand, be, observe, you know, I don't even know what the, what the words are anymore, but yeah, um, I love that vision of collaboration and building something together. That's that's the vision for the near future. So apart from getting your message out on this podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma? Oh, today <laughs> today is a dharma-free day. <laughs> a day today of rest. I'm off Today I'm off the path, baby. No, no. T I mean, today, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, today, well, you know, I'm in a new relationship, which is um, uh, interesting for me because I've been single for two and a half years now, you know, ever since Tony and I broke up. Um, so I've been hanging out with my baby, had a little lunch and did a little like couples errands and shopping. And, um, so that was on my Dharma today. And now I'm talking to you and then we're having this dinner thing with Rebecca and everyone later. So, um, I guess just to continue to bring people together and, um, uh, yeah, foster and do all my practice. You know, I did all my practices. Foster the relationships. Yes. Cool. Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, Jared, now it seems as good a time as any to move on to the prana round. And oh, well, the prana round. What in the, the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, th you thought you were going to get off easy. No, the prana round. <laughs> I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions, <laughs> oh, and for each one, God. I ask you to answer in maximum one sentence as little as one word 
Okay. Okay. Oh right. my God, Henry, I'm so yeah. scared. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. All right. First question. <laughs> okay. In in one word, why do you practice yoga? Love it. Two. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? Scorpion. It looks cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> What's the single best cue or general piece of advice that you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Mm. Mm-hmm. Wait, I, you can't just fire that like prana style. I got to think about <laughs> that, Henry. What's the single best word or cue I've ever received from a yoga teacher? Uh, I, skip, pass, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is, is is there a skip? Is, can you yeah, do that? I'll, I'll I'll give you that one. Yeah, or, or you you can you, use a lifeline. You know, pull the honestly, audience. Honestly, honestly, I know I'm breaking the whole rules of the prana game, but, but you don't play by anyone's rules. So keep going. I I don't play by anyone's rules, and the best things that I've received are not from like a human teacher. It's messages that I'll get in meditation or when I'm in a really quiet still place some sort of realization or even something i mean uh, okay never mind keep going keep going <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> recommend one book modern or ancient for our audience oh one book i mean i love a course in miracles workbook mm-hmm. that's that's been a real staple for me for a long time the workbook in a course in miracles Okay. Is yoga for everyone? Uh, yes. Yoga is for everyone. I mean, I really believe everyone should do yoga, um, but they don't. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your Dharma? Um, you can get in touch with me. You know, really the best way is to send me a direct message on the Instagram, on the on the We Are Jared Instagram. And you can support my Dharma by coming to see me. Come take a class at Lighthouse and say hi, introduce yourself. Uh, I'd love to I'd love to meet you. Jared, thank you so much for indulging me coming on the <laughs> podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I think everyone oh, else can thanks, tell. Henry. <laughs> um, and I'll see you at Lighthouse soon. Okay, I'll see you soon. Okay, thanks, Henry. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.